On today's episode, Wistia reminds us of the most important aspect to brand affinity. We're also eyeing a useful pipe drive and Zoho Desk integration. Plus, Drift's David Cancel and HubSpot's Katie Burke get real on culture. All this and more today on Recur Now. From ProfitWell's Boston HQ, it is Monday, November 11th. I'm Abby Sullivan. And I'm Grace Gagnon. It's a beautiful day to subscribe. First up, your daily subscription digest. Abigail Kiso Hopkins, co-founder of That Clean Life, personalized nutrition software, started a tweet storm after she caught up with the replay of Wistia's Change the Channel, re-bringing to light this idea of brand affinity. Yeah, and if you remember, a few weeks back, we actually covered the Change the Channel event, a live broadcast by the Wistia team, during which their co-founder shared what they've learned about building brands, their marketing predictions, and what Wistia's dropping in the space, and what they're really honing in on here, connection. The undying value of brand affinity and creating content to connect. Great brands that you might be familiar with, you know, MailChimp, Netflix, Peloton, they're all now being built on brand affinity. They spend time with their audience through original content to connect. Arguably the best highlight, building brand affinity is essentially building relationships, and this takes time. This approach is not a growth hack. And we can attest, of course, it's not a hack. It's a ton of work. And attaining that affinity is the exact reason we launched an entire network, the Recur Network, of shows specifically for our industry, focused on finding the truth about this space. Now, this can be done for any respective industry. But what's the hesitation here? Well, as Jay Akunzo of Marketing Showrunners points out, two of the biggest offenders are number one, boring content, and two, budget. But if you're setting out to find the truth, creating sophisticated content that your audience wants to inform, educate, entertain, you can make this happen. If you're concrete in your advice and actionable in your asks, your audience will want to come back. As for budget, well, here at ProfitWell, we can relate because our team isn't huge. We work tirelessly to get this content out every single day. So if you hire a group, even a small one that's dedicated enough and with the right skill set, you don't need an army to get this done. Too often, content creation falls by the wayside, yet its importance, especially with the growing value for brand affinity, spans miles. And you know we're all about that life creating sophisticated content that our audience wants to inform, educate, entertain, and all of the above. So check out Abigail's tweet storm and the Wistia Change the Channel event replay, which we'll link in your subscriber newsletter, and let us know your thoughts on the brand affinity madness. We want to hear from you. Now, if you ever feel that distance between your sales and support teams, listen up. Pipedrive and Zoho Desk are launching an integration to better bridge the gap between sales and support. So apparently, Zoho Desk, what we know as the context-aware customer service software, and Pipedrive, the CRM designed by salespeople, are partnering to give better context to support tickets and help your support team to get them well faster. So with this integration, we're seeing a couple of cool items and here's the breakdown. First up, you can bring information like your name, email, and phone number from Pipedrive into Zoho Desk. Next, if there are sales deals associated with a given contact, the information will be made available to you. You can also view a number of deals, deal sizes, and other notes left by sales rep within Zoho Desk. You can also view a record of past activity a contact has engaged in and create and manage contacts 
contacts from your Zoho Desk account. Newer contacts will be synced with your Pipedrive account automatically. Okay, so why is all of this useful? Well, this is an integration that will affect a lot of users, in turn creating happier customers. So with more context comes better support. So this one, it seems like a no-brainer. All right, Abby, back to you. Our man David Cancel over at Drift has a newsletter he calls The One Thing, which he used to send to his internal team every Sunday, but now he's letting us in on the insight from the mind of a five-time founder, two-time CEO. Not a big deal. This week, he talks about the idea of hiring for cultural fit. The problem with hiring for cultural fit, DC says, is that people tend to just hire other people who look and sound just like them. And he reminds us that culture is not static. He says the key to hiring the right people is recognizing the behaviors you celebrate and those you just tolerate. I believe the tolerate part is most important, he writes, especially early on in a company. Because even if someone is an A-plus player, if they don't have the qualities you celebrate, then it's not not worth hiring them. They won't work in the culture and they won't add value. It's dire to be made up of people who look, sound, and think differently. But he reminds us we also want people who embody the things we celebrate, like bias for action, an obsession with our customers, and the desire to be a curious learning machine. So the next time you're interviewing a candidate, ask yourself, does this person represent what we celebrate? And take it from Katie Burke, chief people officer over at HubSpot, who agrees. Embracing the skeptics is often what helps your operation get that leg up that other totally like-minded groups of people don't have the chance to do. Blockbuster was hundreds of times bigger than we were. Hundreds. We listened to an earnings call one time, and somebody asked when the analyst asked John Antioca, the head of Blockbuster, what do you think of Netflix? And he said... They are a gnat. They are no one, they're nothing, no one will ever do this. People love video stores. For more on this, peep your subscriber newsletter. We'll have resources from some of the best in the culture business, plus how to sign up for DC's weekly insight drop. And now a spotlight on subscription and journalistic genius Jessica Lesson of The Information. Today's subscription sapien is Jessica Lesson, who as the founder of The Information has proven that quality, hard-hitting journalism still has a place in the 24-hour news cycle and that people will pay for a superior product. As a Harvard grad working for The Wall Street Journal, Lesson had a very promising future as a journalist before The Information. During her tenure at the WSJ, she covered the big tech companies in a time of transformation, Google, Yahoo, Twitter, and others. She had the inside scoop on where the tech industry was going and applied that to the news industry, which is a little slower to change. What happened and switched for me is that I started to notice what I felt were incredible number of business opportunities in the news industry that all traditional newsrooms were sacrificing and missing out on. Um, chief among them, a real focus on being a subscription business that was accountable to readers and not advertisers, as well as some opportunities around the types of coverage and the nature of the coverage to make it more relevant. So for me, those business interests just sort of eclipsed, um, you know, the day in and day out of being a reporter and um, led me to start the information Jessica Lesson has done the seemingly impossible and predicted how we see subscription. 
When the information launched, it was far from the first news site dedicated to tech. Despite the competition, Lesson was confident enough in what she and her writing staff had to offer that she eschewed advertising revenue and clickbait titles in favor of an audience-funded subscription model, believing that people will pay a premium for quality journalism. You know, price is, there's no inherently good or bad price. It, it has to match the value of the service. And consumers know that. That's why, um, you know, there are huge numbers of investors that pay for Bloomberg terminals, right? With tens of thousands of dollars. So I, I think that, um, you know, that's a, I'm still baffled today when you hear about people talking about price and, and not just sort of backing it up based on the value it's delivering to the target demographic. And so, yeah, I, I felt that, you know, for our audience, whether you were investors or even just entrepreneurs starting your company and looking to better understand, you know, the other leaders in Silicon Valley, um, that a dollar a day was kind of would be worth it to you. Um, and I felt it was important that we hold ourselves to that very high bar. So, um, you know, it wasn't, I, I think I didn't agonize over the price. Um, and um, I think, you know, it just has always been to me more about value. Lesson was one of the first to identify that having a wide reach does not necessarily equate to having a successful business. With the number of competitors out there, excelling in one area has more retention power than doing several things okay, because someone better is just a click away. In a chat with The Guardian, Lesson advises that media companies should know their audience, but it's sound advice for any entrepreneur. The, my line in that and what I would say is know your audience. Right. So I think that... Um, this is a lesson we hear time and again and kind of makes my eyes roll when I say it. But um, I think bigger publications have lost sight of that. Who are you writing for? And I felt this as a journalist at the Journal when uh, I was covering Apple and you're writing an earnings story about Apple. Well, are you writing that for the hedge fund trader, for the person who wants to do a business deal with Apple and wants to know how the company operates, the person who wants to know what apps to download? And all media has that question. That's a very fundamental question, and all publications have to navigate different audience levels. But in today's day and age, when there's just so much competition out there, yeah. and you have to be indispensable in order to get people's attention, that's a huge challenge. And I think for any publication, it has to be what's first and foremost um, in the product design, in the writing, in the packaging, uh, in the business model. If you enjoyed today's Subscription Sapien, share this and make sure you're subscribed to Recur Now to receive them straight to your inbox. And finally, a teaser for trade-offs. On tomorrow's episode, it's a Kanye West fest. Profit Well and Product Habits present Trade-Offs, where SaaS founders Patrick Campbell and Heaton Shah join pricing and product forces to uncover the biggest trade-offs of industry players like Yeezy. We asked like 200 and some people about yep. Kanye. I was kind of surprised that 28% of people listen to Kanye at least weekly. Stop acting crazy in public, shutting his mouth once in a while. Wow. Subscribe to the show at ProductTradeoffs.com and get episodes sent straight to your inbox or wherever you receive podcasts. And that's it for your Veterans Day episode of Recur Now. Vets, we salute you. Here's to you today. Catch you back here tomorrow.